0: Hi, I'm Justine. And I'm Sarah Levon, And we are so glad you're here. We believe that your life has the potential to make a deep, meaningful impact on the world around you. You, as a nurse, have the ability to add value to every single person and patient you touch. We want to inspire you with resources, education, and stories to support you to live your absolute best life, both in and outside of work but don't expect perfection over here. We're just here to have some conversations about anything birth, work, and life. Trying to add some happy to your hour as we all grow together. By nurses for nurses, this is Happy
1: Hour with Bundle Birth Nurses. So Sarah, I hear you have a story for us. Story time. It is story time. So I've heard pieces of this story, but I'm excited for you to share the rest of the story and so we can learn from it. Because even just a little bit I've heard, I felt a little guilty in my own practice and learned some things. So (laughs) let's talk about it.
0: Well, the goal is not guilt. The goal is just awareness. And I think I bring a unique perspective because of my role of knowing nurse and then also being birth coach, where I know families prior, and then I walk with them through their entire labor. I see it literally from beginning to end, no matter how long it takes. And so I had a I had a virtual client recently who was a TOLAC. She'd had a previous cesarean. She had um, pushed for two and a half hours, a rest of descent, and went for a C-section. And, and then we worked together a lot, like a million meetings beforehand. So I knew them very well going into this virtual birth. And sure enough, go into to an induction, which was a piece of the of the story that was just like the previous time. And I think for me, the reason why I thought this was a really good podcast was because I think my perspective of watching everything unfold Is a unique one, especially understanding the medical system and where everyone in the room is coming from. And then also knowing this family on a different level, on like a very vulnerable, intimate level, um, and sort of seeing the whole thing play out in front of my head and then having to do some damage control that I know for sure was not the intent. And so really my goal with this episode is to just create awareness, particularly and specifically around our clients who are going for a V-back or who are toe lacking. Again, not a word, but we're going to use it for this episode because we use it. And so um, some things I want to point out. Now, this client of mine was – it was her second baby, like I said – she had had a previous cesarean came came in for an induction that was a full informed decision making process and had been on board with the induction and from the very beginning one of the biggest takeaways i thought first of all was how incredible the informed consent was on this case i have to say that like flat out. The doctor came in, it was actually, what I learned later, was a mid- there was a midwife involved and everybody just like sat at the end and had this long discussion of all the risk, benefits, alternatives, and how do you feel? Do you give consent for this feedback? Now mind you, she had done a ton of education ahead of time. And so, of course, none of it was new. Where it started to become a theme was when they have the informed decision-making, you sign the consent, somebody else comes in, has them sign another consent, which I know you got to get your paperwork done, fine. And then every single time there was discussion of progress or of laboring or whatever, which leads me to my first tip for VBACs is that we need to do these informed consent conversations at the same time. Once it's been done, let them labor. And so I think with VBAC, a lot of us, it's ingrained in our heads of this uterine rupture thing, and they need to know the risks, and it's so risky, which really, let's be honest, the risk is less than 1% for a uterine rupture with after one previous low transverse incision on the uterus, cesarean, okay? So less than 1%, and one of the ways I describe it is if we look at all of the risks of birth, and all of the risks of C-section, all of the risks of vaginal birth, that you have all those risks, regardless, whoever you are, all the time, <laughs> no matter how many babies you've had, C-section or not. And then with a previous C-section, you throw on that risk list a less than 1% chance of uterine rupture. That's the difference. And yet, I feel like a lot of the talk, a lot of the the energy that we bring in the room is this, this like, it's so much more risky, which... It is more risky. Mm -hmm. And if you've been a part of a uterine rupture, that is scary. That can be catastrophic. But, I mean, I will say from the uterine ruptures I've been a part of, none of them were catastrophic. They could have been. We caught them in time. We recognized the signs. Oop, they ruptured and wham, bam, you're in the back. And everybody's been okay. So, again, that doesn't want to downplay those that are catastrophic because it does happen but i think the approach and the energy related to vback for this client one of the one of the alerts i wanted to bring to our attention is just how it feels and at, when we think about our vback clients to me what i've identified throughout the years is that they are a very unique population i have a very soft spot in my heart for vbackers toe lacquers, for those of you that are freaking out that I called it that. And so mm-hmm. toe lacquers, VBAC, or same diff, that those who are attempting a VBAC, that they're they're attempting it for a reason. And so I think we need to take a step back and realize and have this thought in our mind that if they are attempting a VBAC, they've probably had a conversation. And we do need to assess what's been done, what work has been done ahead of time. Ask them, have you done a class? Do you understand the risks? How comfortable do you feel? What are your concerns with it? How do you, what, what are your mantras you're telling yourself going into this birth to help you get there? How can I support you in staying focused towards the outcome? Because reality is if they're in labor or they're induced, doesn't really matter. If they're not in the back, at that point, they're having a feedback they're having a vaginal birth until that decision has been made otherwise. And so all of this talk about risk, the the concern I had in this case, which really ended up being damage control, and this is the stuff that you don't see when you leave the room. These conversations are being had between the couple or the partners that are there and their doula or not, whether they have them or not. And there's so much room for interpretation. We say don't write their story, but that's not like a common thing that people don't do. <laughs> and for anybody in any kind of quote unquote high risk scenario because they've been told their entire pregnancy that they're high risk, that they they will catastrophize. We have to assume more than, oh, they're just thinking it's all good. Anxiety is, is a, a beast that like it becomes, it always becomes the worst case scenario. So what conversations are happening when they leave the room are, well, they're talking about risk every single time they walk in the room and you know with uterine rupture i'm really worried about this i'm really worried about this are we worried about the potential for risk or the actual clinical scenario and so that's my second alert more than do the informed consent decision making have the discussion and then after that let them labor and part of our job as the nursing care team is yes verify that they understand But then the continuous repetitive conversations about the risk, about the uterine rupture, and about what you could be concerned about, my challenge to all of us is how helpful is that for the laboring person and for their psyche, their psyche leading to their hormones that affect their labor and their already fear when they've been told they're high risk the whole time throughout their labor.
1: Yeah, and how confidence dwindling is that in your team totally. if you're if you're you're comfortable with the risk and then your team you realize like they're not comfortable with yes. the risk yes so is this nurse is projecting their own insecurities on how will i respond to a tolak how will i respond to a mm-hmm. rupture you know mm-hmm. and so that sparks my mind of like we need to be more we need to own up more to like what we know and don't know, yeah, and how to respond to a rupture if that one percent does happen, right?
0: Well, and you're watching for those signs, but rather than rather than voicing your concerns mm-hmm. all day, and again, I'm exaggerating sort of to prove a point, but it was, it was uh, every time I got on the phone with them and mm-hmm. I was a part of a conversation. It was well, but if this, and we're we're watching for this, like. The conversation I've had previous to that is you have an incredible care team that is watching for all those signs. And if they see them, they will alert you to that and there will be a conversation had. But there actually was no signs of uterine rupture. The baby was category one the whole time. She like The whole, the whole thing, it was all concern for potential risk. I'm not telling you not to be concerned about that, but I want to share perspective on the impact that that has in the room on anxiety, on their experience, and luckily for them, they had somebody that could look them in the eye and say, the question then is, is this actual or potential mm-hmm. risk? And that was part of the conversation that I facilitated with their care team. And it was when we got down to it, it was, well, it, yeah, it could happen. I'm not seeing signs of that now. So then what ends up happening is instead of what they remember of like being free to labor and free to go through the process. And really, when I teach my feedback class, I say that you're not toe lacking, you're not VBACing. For them, you are and for us like great what like i want to know that that needs to be on my radar but in the language that we use with this particular client population that we get to be their biggest cheerleaders and believe it for them whether you actually do or not I don't really care, but I I do care that the language we use with this population is, I am with you. We're going to do it. We are there. And I think too, when my mind in the past, I've been like, well, don't promise them something. The the reality is right now we are going to do it because we're not in the back. Mm -hmm. And until that decision's been made, you're having a vaginal birth because this baby's coming out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so as that biggest cheerleader that you verified risk and then it becomes the script is you're laboring. Mm-hmm. You're not V-backing. We don't need that at the forefront of your mind. We got you there. You get to enjoy the experience for exactly what it is as you labor forward.
1: Yeah, I'm even wondering on the whiteboard, right? So we do goals. A lot of people have goals on the whiteboard. Mm-hmm. And instead of like a successful V-back Mm -hmm. it's just birth of baby or something like what would you recommend because i think that's really ask them yeah
0: what do they want? What do you want to hear? What's mm-hmm. your affirmation? What are we going towards? What do you want to see mm-hmm. on this board? Have a baby, have a vaginal birth, mm-hmm. you know? But rather than the VBAC thing being so central and really what it what it did portray in this room was a lot of stress mm-hmm. about VBAC. And literally, I remember my client saying to me, like, I feel like I've done the work and I don't actually feel that stressed about it, but I feel like I'm missing something. Mm-hmm. That like there's something that they're so concerned about. And I, and, and I flat out said, like, uterine rupture is terrifying Mm -hmm. it's not fun that is not the emergency that any of us want and we don't want that for you so of course they're going to be concerned about it but do we need to bring that in the room when you when you've already had the million i mean literally there were so many consents at this hospital i was not used to that but great do do your process do your process just let's be mindful particularly with this that there's likely some trauma. And that sort of leads me to the next piece of this that I thought was like really important. Um, And I think I now can like speak about and have like identified is this idea that we don't want to assume that somebody has trauma from their previous birth and a lot of times even by assuming that like it must have been very traumatic for you depending on the client especially and how like introspective they are that they may actually interpret that as oh my god what should, well maybe there was trauma may, wait what do you see that i don't see mm-hmm. and then it becomes traumatic when it's like not actually traumatic for them so trauma is in the eye of the beholder but asking about their previous birth experience, what happened? What was hard about that? What do you want to repeat about it? And what don't you want to repeat about it? A lot of people will have done that work. And this client in that case knew exactly what she wanted to hear, knew exactly what was going to be hard for them. And then ask them what happened and make a mental note in your head of where they quote unquote got stuck Mm. the last time. This for me has been absolutely life-changing with my VBAC clients when I'm at their births. And as I prep families, absolutely an alert that I give. And that is that a lot of times the moment where they got stuck on the previous birth, there will be some sort of emotional mental moment, whether that's a breakdown. I've seen full-blown breakdowns. Whether that's a stall in the labor because there's a there's an underlying level of stress of well I got here last time and I am not going to get past it again you know wh- whatever story is being said there that they need more support at that moment of their labor I got stuck at six centimeters I pushed for two hours and in this case what ended up happening was. This client had pushed for two hours. It was an arrest of dissent, and there was all sorts of every talk of, well, your baby was only five pounds last time, so this one looks bigger. Your baby's probably not going to fit. I really hope your baby can fit. I'm not sure. You know, we can try. We can do all the things. Have you do- gotten
1: an ultrasound recently?
0: Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Or like, let me just feel your belly and like see about the size of the baby. Mm-hmm. How often we see this every single time. When we know size really doesn't matter until you try, and there's so many other components that work towards the baby fitting or not, but what this, what this patient needed to hear was, we are here, we are gonna do everything we can To help you get there. And instead, for parts of it, and again, I I am not being critical of this team because I actually believe she she received incredible care. They were so pro patient-centered, focused, shared decision making. But again, it's just you see it different when you're the outsider and you're not the one managing the risk in the same way. And so that conversation, those conversations were kind of always came back to, well, you're a TOLAC. Well, this is a high-risk pregnancy. Well, I'm concerned about this, the potential risk versus the actual risk of what's going on and allowing it to stay in their hands. And so what ended up happening was this patient, she pushed for an hour with no, no descent, And we all know this. What are we saying in the back of our minds? Well, there's no way. Mm -hmm. She pushed, and an arrest of descent is like the one you don't want to (laughs) hear when you're thinking about it. Like I want to hear breach. I want to hear like twin. Yeah, twins or category two fetal heart rate tracing. Even you know versus arrest of descent. And so. While that is a note in our mind, it is not helpful. They've all, they have all—they already know that's a risk, especially if you've told them, but probably even though that you haven't told them. And so again, the conversation was, we're going to do everything we can to get this baby out. But one of the times we pushed for an hour and the, the midwife, it was a midwife actually that came in, which was somewhat surprising, came in and said, you know, you pushed for an hour, I haven't seen anything. I just, I don't have hope for you. I just – I don't think it's going to happen. I think we we can try. And sure, you want to try some other things, but I just don't think this baby's going to fit. And I had – you know, it's fascinating because, again, my nurse brain is like, okay. Because <laughs> a lot of times, like, you know your providers. They, like – they can feel something or, you know, like sometimes they're right, but also sometimes they're wrong. And how often we're sort of stuck in the middle of that, like, do I push this? Do I not? Do I – Um, you know, do I get in there and I want to feel myself, you know, that I, there is a level of, you have certain providers that just kind of know they can feel what's going on in there. We felt, I felt where I'm like, I really want to be hopeful and I'm going to stay hopeful. I'm going to stay hopeful, but I don't actually think this is going to happen. (laughs) But until you've made that decision it's only disempowering in my full opinion disclaimer here that like it's only disempowering right they know it will and it could come up that a Mm. c-section conversation could come up and so that there was a lot of that like I think well blah 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 and so she asked for a moment and we sat and I said how you doing she just said I don't think they believe in me Mm. I don't think it's gonna happen like I don't think they think it's gonna happen and I said well that's their opinion what do you think And sure enough, what I do and why I'm hired by these families is really, truly to reframe the scenario and really, truly help see things through. And it really is being trauma informed, but also through like the let's recenter, let's come back. Um, And that's what we did. And she said, I don't feel like I can stop. Pushing. I don't, I feel like I will have regret mm-hmm. if I were to stop now. And I said, Great. So, you know, and of course the question is, is baby okay? Is there any risk in continuing? That like actual risk in <laughs> continuing. And um, she said, you know, I think I want to push for another 30 minutes and I think I want to try all the things. And I said, All right, let's do all the things then. You know, again, they'd given her that freedom. So we call the team back in. She says that to the team, and luckily she had an incredible nurse that was like, Yeah, let's do it let's get on all fours let's try this and that and they look to me of course at this point and we're like Sarah like you got any suggestions I'm like "Uh uh-huh I have lots of suggestions let's try this also at this point it came out that they thought baby was OP (laughs) which again, you guys have to come to our physiologic birth class because that from like a birth coach perspective where I have very little control and I'm not checking is very frustrating to hear after pushing for an hour. We have to be assessing this stuff. We have to be putting our pieces together and addressing OP before you push for an hour. But regardless... We did all the things. I mean, and literally changed positions every few contractions and she and I gave her the pep talk of her life. And this is something I think too, when you're at this point with a patient feedback or not, they need us believing in them. They need support. I mean, we know this through years and years and years of practice and the evidence that like through life, even the evidence through life that like everything is harder when done alone. And for a VBAC person, somebody that's having a back, that there likely is some concern, some self-doubt, some other baggage from the previous birth that's playing in the best thing we can do is look them in the eye and and i gave her the pep talk of look i know you've been pushing for the last hour you have it in you let's dig even deeper i need you to dig to your freaking feet and pull (laughs) out the incredible hulk and like every ounce of strength this is 30 minutes it's your hardest workout of your life and it's so worth it envision that head coming down and out of your vagina And in that moment, what I did was be her biggest cheerleader and motivate her so that when we got to the end of the 30 minutes doing all the positions and literally this poor woman like pushing with every ounce of her being with no dissent, she looked at the team and said, I feel like I tried. I feel like I can have this C-section and like transition in my brain and be okay because I know I did everything. And that was part of the story that I had learned from her previous birth. And sure enough, what did the team do? The incredible thing of giving them a second to transition in their minds. And this goes for VBAC or not. That what I'm finding is, and hearing this, I had a birth debrief last week with somebody that was like, and actually, no, two days ago, one of my best friends texted me, and she's like, I'm struggling with the C-section. Her baby was breached. There was a version. It was unsuccessful. And they, like, she's like, I feel like there was an emergency where they said, we need to do the C-section now. And I asked, is the heart rate okay? She said, yes. And I'm thinking, okay, like, well and she's like why did it why was it so rushed I feel like I didn't even have a moment to get my head around the scenario mm-hmm. and no one had prepped her that if the feedback, if the version was unsuccessful she'd be going for a c-section this was her second baby and um and I just said you know I think that we there that maybe there was a miscommunication there this is my assumption making full just kind of filling in the gaps for you that we get so tasky that it's like, oh, well, wham, bam, versus she's like, I feel like if I would have been given five minutes, she's like, I don't know if that's a lot to ask. I'm thinking in my head, that's not a lot to ask. And this might be where we advocate as a nurse with the doctors who are barking down our necks about getting them to the back, that it's, they need, and saying, do you need five minutes to get your head around this and, and think about any questions you have? What a gift we are giving these families and in this case with my tolac client that they asked for that time the team was phenomenal and they were like great take as much as you need they gave them 40 minutes to where the husband needed to step away he had previous trauma from the first birth lots of concern about the surgery We like made a whole plan about how to take care of him because the previous birth, she felt like she had to take care of her partner who was having trauma and she wanted to just be present this time. We reframed and I said, look, you are giving birth. And while like, and now we can say we did everything we could, but guess what? We're gonna instead, we're gonna be disappointed. We were disappointed for like a hot second. And then we are transitioning. If you want to be disappointed together later, absolutely we can do that. But we are you're giving birth. And this baby, how do we make this the most positive experience of your life? And what's most important to you? And she really wanted skin to skin in the OR. And said, and so I said, great, let's bring that up to the nurse when you come in and just explain and ask, set some realistic expectations, sure enough nurse comes in yeah we can we can we can make that happen I think our staffing makes it we've done it before like let's make that happen but then we'd had that moment to regroup and what ended up happening was she had her repeat cesarean and she said I think this was the birth I needed to heal from the first and how beautiful that is and I think a lot of times too we connect With these VVAC clients who are like, the healing part is getting that vaginal birth. Mm -hmm. And what I love about this story is that it wasn't actually the vaginal birth that heals them. It's the fact that the brain receives the support, the education, the knowledge, the time, the fill in the blank that that particular patient needed in that moment To reframe and to feel like they are not a failure because they had people speaking into that. So, again, I want to be very clear that like this care team did not fail her. This care team did a really incredible job overall. Um, But again, as I'm watching and I'm seeing and relating back to my own practice of being at the bedside and being Mm -hmm. like, I've been there, Mm -hmm. I get it, I've done it. And how now I'm seeing, whoa, okay that little small intervention that small awareness that small shift in the way i speak that i know they're going to hit this this emotional wall being ready for the pep talk at this time in their labor for specifically these toe lacking feedbacking clients can really make all the difference i feel like
1: that's all really helpful and some of the things that i'm taking from it is to remain like you're right get the consent first make sure someone got consent And then have those big conversations about rupture outside of the room. You know, I don't need to bring it up every time I'm in the room. Not that I don't think I do, but I'm just saying, like, in general, I want to be more mindful of how I'm talking to them in the room. And then I think the unique needs of a VBAC patient are so good. And I think I was getting a little emotional listening to you because if I have another baby one day, I will be in this population. And so I think they're so spot on. And I think it's beautiful to think – to. Change the wording around laboring. I think that's beautiful. Mm. And I, I love that you do that. And I'm gonna be more challenged to like not put V back on the board. And like you said, have it be their thing. Maybe they really want, you know, I'm yeah. lacking and make it the center of the thing, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: I wanna mind my wording on that. And then giving them time to process things, I mm. think, you know,
0: is great. And I do that in general, but like we're talking two minutes, right. guys. Of like and just making it like a do you want a second to think about it? Yeah. And like, do you want a second to just have, do you want a second alone? I do that with my clients all the mm-hmm. time. Like if something big's happening or they're about to push or something, I'm like, do you want a moment alone? And I'll just step outside. I'll do like a lap around the, I was gonna say the block. We don't go around the block. <laughs> around the unit or something and and go to the lobby and grab a snack. But you know, it's the, like, and then you come back one minute later, but then they feel like, oh, they gave me a second. That's yeah, so nice. for sure. And then I
1: think the, understanding where they got stuck is huge. That's such a game changer. You're right. Because if I have a patient that was a a twin or a breech, this is all new to them. They're not going to have some trauma if, you know, we don't want to put that in their their minds of like getting stuck at three or stuck at four or stuck at five, right? Those numbers or with the descent and just knowing that like, just assuming in your head, if your patient never got past six centimeters last time, getting past six centimeters is going to be huge this time. Yeah. And something to celebrate. Totally. When you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that's really, really big. I know we like casually go over it, but really getting down to that. And like, I liked what you said too about what was, what did you love about your last birth? And I think that could be with all births, all totally. tips, especially like what did you love last time and what did you not love and what would you change and what would you not change? Mm-hmm. So we can give everyone a better birth experience, so lack or not. And then the last thing of being their cheerleader, I think I say more so we're gonna try, and mm-hmm. I feel like is that helpful? I don't no. know. I feel like that could be bad. No, right? <laughs> so what could I say
0: instead? Uh, we're doing it. We're doing it. Obvi- and then and then with the caveat, obviously, if something needs to shift, we'll shift. But right now, we're on our way for yeah. a vaginal birth. I need to get out. Try.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think I, I think that was probably my biggest like ooh, because she made the comment of like they keep saying we're good. like it's and I don't know I remember if it was exactly try or not but the idea was they keep saying like we're going to try like do they not think it's possible yeah. what are they seeing and that's where again it, it goes back to everything that we do and how many of these conversations we have but like our words matter so mm-hmm. much and they and and we have to assume that they're always open for interpretation and so the more clear and the more intentional we can be with our words the more we can help shape these positive birth experiences.
1: Thanks for spending time with us here during this episode of Happy Hour with Bundle Birth Nurses. If you like what you heard, it helps us if you subscribe, rate, leave a raving review, and share this episode with a friend. If you want more from us, head to bundlebirthnurses.com or follow us on Instagram. It's your turn to take what you learned today and apply it to your life, giving honorable, mindful care to every patient you care for. We'll see you next time.